Hello, everyone. At this episode of the podcast from Research to Reality, I have extreme pleasure uh, to host uh, Suleka Kutiala. Hello, Suleka. Hi, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. And uh, Suleka will be talking about user interface design. Extremely, extremely important. Uh, Suleka, uh, why is it so important? So I think any product or service that we design, at the end of the day, it has to deliver some value to a user at the same time make us some money. And so to be successful in, uh, in any business, you know, we want to make sure that we are designing for that user's needs mm -hmm. and delivering the value to a user. And they see something as valuable when it is kind of meeting some foundational need that they have, making it easy to use, so making their life simpler and you more uh, you know, fun or easy and then delivering some delight on top of that. So when we are able to de uh, deliver some value and uh, ease of use and delight to a user, uh, you know, that's kind of when we achieve um, brand loyalty among our customers and that's when customers love us mm -hmm. and they tell everybody about it. Yeah. And so to, to be meaningful and to be competitive and to be successful, it's very important to focus on the user experience. So can you explain to us how do you design for user interfaces? What are the steps? Right. So to design for uh, the user experience, we, we start with a very human-centric approach. Mm -hmm. That is, the user is at the core of any uh, business uh, solution that you're providing. Starting with, you know, what is that target user that you're going after? What are their needs? What are their, um, you know, wants and wishes? So understanding uh, about the user more than they even know about themselves mm -hmm. so that you can go into the underlying motivations and the desires of what they are trying to do and extracting those, these deep uh, insights that can help you to uh, you know, deliver on those, uh, those desires that the user has. So once you have that coming up with some uh, you know, uh, ideations, uh, some ideas, uh, different uh, concepts to meet those needs, and then prototyping and uh, testing that. So constantly doing that free feedback loop of build, measure, and test so that you can deliver something mm -hmm. that is valuable to the user. I'm familiar with the lean practices in software design. Yes. But what does it mean, lean practices in user interfaces? So that's a great question. Um, you know, a lot of uh, the lean practice in UX, it, it does have its uh, you know, roots in the lean uh, agile methodology. Mm -hmm. Uh, for me personally, I'm very inspired by the Lean UX, uh, the Lean Enterprise, uh, Lean Startup book that was written by Eric Rice. And uh, this was a book targeted at uh, startups and then trying to teach them, you know, what is that product that they need to build and go out in the market and, and deliver and test so that uh, they are not uh, spending a lot of time over designing it or building the wrong product or, you know, going maybe down the wrong path. So lean UX from that perspective is kind of understanding deeply about the user, you know, uh, running some rapid experiments, learning from those experiments, and constantly uh, iterating on that to deliver something that's valuable. Mm -hmm. So me as a naive user, for me, whether I use laptop or phone, it's different. Mm -hmm. um, and I know some designs are for one or the other. Uh, some are for all. What does it mean to be mobile first design? So that's, uh, that's again a very interesting question. Um, you know, in the past, uh, when people were designing for websites, 
the, there was not a lot of consideration for, you know, what is that really uh, core value of, of the product or service? And, you know, design was still kind of in its infancy. So people would kind of see a large web page and, and try to throw in as many features and cram it. They see some empty space and they're like, yes, let's, let's cram sure. in another feature there. So what uh, the mobile phone, you know, because of its, uh, you know, real estate, because it's a smaller screen, what it forced people to do is kind of think very carefully, very deeply about what is it that you can really put on the small screen because now suddenly you cannot cram everything that you want. So it really, in a way, forced people to think about what is the most important requirement or the you know, minimum experience that they want to deliver to customers to be successful. Mm -hmm. And so the mobile first uh, approach is really about focusing on what is the most important thing and then adding uh, you know, to that. So phones have very small screen, but yeah. some devices don't even have screen at all, like yes. IoT devices. What do you do then? Yes. So I think, again, going back to the human-centric approach, you know, what is the technology that is kind of, uh, you know, enabling this innovation or approach that you're going after? Is it something like augmented reality or mixed reality or something with more machine learning and automation? or um, you know, some other technologies like maybe Alexa or mm -hmm. and other agents. So uh, whatever that uh, IoT technology is, uh, you know, at the end of it, again, it has to deliver value to the user and uh, make a difference in their lives so that they find it useful and they want to use it again and again. So um, designing for IoT is, is, is really applying the same methodology uh, to you know, whether it's wearables or whatever, you know, whether it's a, bot that you're designing, understanding what is the value for the user, how can you make a difference in this user's life, make their life easier and deliver delight. Uh, drawing again parallels to software development. In, in software development, we move to open source, which is really community-based development. What is the equivalent in, in user interfaces? Do you also uh, employ similar community-based techniques? I think uh, one of the parallels I can see is, is in uh, using patterns. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, we want our product our customers to learn the product once. And once they have learned how to use it, we don't want them to keep learning it. So uh, over the years, we have kind of evolved some common set of patterns. What does a table look like? What does a form look like? You know, what are some simple error states? And then, uh, you know, across our products, we want these to be consistent. So that if a person is seeing an error or a form in one product and they go to a different product, it's a completely different form with a completely different style. So I think that kind of throws people off. Uh, so uh, I think drawing the parallel with that uh, open source in software development, uh, you know, having uh, access to those commonly understood patterns and seeing them, uh, you know, being contributed to by a community of uh, designers and uh, engineers across the board, uh, across consumer and uh, you know enterprise, so that uh, there is a standard way that is evolving of how people expect things to behave. Exploring functional user design, uh, meaning that you may have compute, you may have storage, you may have uh, social media interfaces. Uh, do you develop uh, user interface design differently for each one of those? Not necessarily. Uh, I think the job of a designer is, is to make sure that uh, the customer is able to get the value out of a product mm -hmm. and they are able to complete their task in, in the simplest, most efficient way 
so that they are not feeling overwhelmed or they're not feeling like I have to do all these extra steps. So whether it is compute or whether it is something like social media, I think giving them the ability and the tools and the techniques to uh, you know, fulfill what they want to do. Uh, I think a deep, uh, 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 deep part of this is kind of understanding what are the user's motivations? Mm -hmm. You know, in a social setting, is it, is it a desire to connect with friends and family, share pictures, uh, kind of present a certain self of themselves to the world? Uh, when we look at some of the enterprise software, I think it's more about, uh, you know, trying to complete a task, uh, you know, trying to deliver something, deploy something. And so in that case, it becomes more about, you know, uh, the design and the approach becomes more about how can we make it easier for the user, either by eliminating some of the steps that they are doing today, mm -hmm. automating some of the steps, or kind of completely rethinking how they are doing this. You are the bleeding edge of technology. So you are introducing new things. Do you also publish? Do you attend conferences, read journals? Yes, absolutely. Uh, some of my favorite conferences are Enterprise UX, which is mm -hmm. a community of uh, you know, designers working in different enterprise uh, companies and coming together annually to talk about uh, you know, designing for enterprises. Another uh, conference I really like to go to is UX India. Mm -hmm. And you know, coming from India, there is a thriving UX scene in India, and I like to go there and present and publish mm -hmm. there as well. Uh, so I think apart from that, other conferences I like to attend are for women in product and technology. Very nice. And where else besides events do you draw your inspiration? That's a great point. Um, I think for inspiration, I'm, I'm, I look at multiple sources. There's the inspiration, the personal inspiration that is coming from you know, my family, my kids, my mom. And uh, you know, in terms of work, there are some role models that I like to look up to. So there is Indra, uh, Indra Nuri, who is the ex-CEO of uh, PepsiCo. Mm -hmm. And so she's a woman from India. And uh, you know, seeing somebody from my culture and my country kind of leading a large global company nice. for more than 12 years, uh, seeing that represent representation and role model is kind of that something that really inspires me. And in the case of design, uh, you know, there is the ex-VP of uh, into it, Karen Hansen, who was very successful in building a design-centric uh, company culture right into it. Mm -hmm. And so she's somebody I really draw a lot of inspiration from. And uh, we're also around the Women's International Day. Uh, how is it working for you? You mentioned all these great role models. For, for you personally, how was your uh, career evolving as a woman? Uh, was it positive experience? Uh, what would you have done differently? What do you need from community to do better for you, for the next young girls? Yeah, um, I think what I see is that uh, women compared to men, uh, you know, have a, a larger challenge in terms of balancing their home and work, uh, work lives. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times if we, if we ask in a room of uh, people, if we ask the men, like, you know, uh, do you ever think about not working? We never say here or no, but if we ask the women, a lot of the women, they have the dilemma of like, you know, should I stop working to take mm -hmm. care of family or, you know, should I maybe scale back on my work because, you know, I want to balance work in life or, you know, maybe I'm not uh, finding the path to move forward at work because um, 
because I am limited by, you know, what I can do mm -hmm. uh, based on the other responsibilities yeah. that I have. So I feel that, uh, and also as we look around ourselves, we feel that there are less women in technology in general. There is less representation for women in C-level positions across the board. And uh, across the globe, we see that uh, women leaders are less than 6% of like the top leaders, the top companies in that country. So definitely there is a problem where we don't see enough representation of women in leadership and in technology. And uh, for me personally, yes, it has been a struggle. You know, I have tried to always balance work and uh, life. And there are times when, the, you know, one has <laughs> taken over than, than the other. Uh, but I think uh, as I look forward to, you know, I have two girls and a boy. So as I look forward to the next generation, I think what I want for them is to have uh, some, some positive encouragement and to have some hope mm -hmm. that, yes, there is a power to change that. And there is a lot of work that is being done to support that so that there is equal like 50-50 representation of men and women leaders. And, uh, you know, there is uh, building communities of women supporting women and also girls getting more interest in STEM and te technology and choosing STEM careers and not feeling intimidated or limiting themselves that, you know, they cannot really do it, uh, not falling into that trap. And with your successful leadership style, I'm sure you bump up that 6%. Uh, Thank you. That's my hope. Yes. So you came from India and uh, you studied at the top university there. Then you came to United States and you studied at the top university here. Can you compare your experiences? Definitely. Um, I think they were both, uh, they both had some similarities and some differences. At India, I did my master's in uh, industrial design at IIT Mumbai. Mm -hmm. And uh, that kind of really gave me a world-class exposure in terms of what is really possible. It was one of the few institutes in India at that time that was looking at human-centered uh, design and human-computer interaction and industrial design. And um, it was it was really my, very mind opening for me, and um, so yeah, that was kind of my launching uh, pad. And you know, I got my first job working as a UX designer based on my experience uh, at IIT Mumbai. And uh, I came to the US shortly after, and uh, I've done uh, some courses at the D School. And again, that was another very transformative experience for me because I got to learn about uh, design thinking. And so in the past, I feel that, um, yes, I was practicing human-centered design, but I think design itself, you know, the language around design, the way we talk about design to non-designers has changed. And uh, the D school has done a fantastic job at kind of putting together that language and those methods that are talking to the non-designers and uh, telling them about the value of design. So that design is not just becoming something that, uh, you know, that's cool looking or cool behaving. Not, it's not about your designer shoes, but it's really about problem solving. And so they are able to attract a lot of, you know, CEOs, entrepreneurs, leaders across the, across the different sectors and teach them design thinking as a problem solving methodology. And that is something that I'm very passionate about and I want to bring to HPE as well. You haven't stopped diverse path. Once you started working in the United States, you went from uh, eBay to Cisco to Intuit, now HPE. <laughs> How do you compare the cultures? 
Yeah, so I, I feel that, uh, you know, working for consumer companies versus working for enterprise companies is very different. In the consumer space, I find that there is more uh, pressure for the companies to deliver and compete in the market. So at that time, eBay, for example, was getting a lot of pressure from Yahoo, from other uh, you know, stores opening their own um, online uh, e-commerce e platforms. And now like something like Amazon. So there is always a lot of pressure to catch up to the next feature that has been released mm -hmm. by your, comp your competitor. And so that drives a lot of like the uh, pressure time to market. And so your average feature deliveries are like six weeks to 10 weeks uh, for, for normal projects. And so it, it is a very fast paced environment. And mm. uh, it is also a thriving environment. You will see a lot of young people attracted to that and you know, uh, working around the clock around the yeah. globe. <laughs> so it's a lot of energy. Um, what I find in um, enterprise is that uh, you have a little more lead time. So you will be working, uh, you know, maybe six months to months to a year out on some of the big mm -hmm. releases. And so that gives you a little more time to kind of uh, understand and investigate and the releases tend to be larger. So uh, I think uh, it's, it's a balance. Uh, yeah. I think there is, there is the challenge of like enterprises are sometimes slow to move. And so if you're used to that fast paced environment, you kind of like finding everything's too slow and mm -hmm. limiting in some ways. But at the same time, uh, you know, if you can create the conditions that allow you to move fast and convince and collaborate radically across different teams, uh, then you can move faster and make an impact as well. You have lived quite some time now in the United States yeah. and you frequently go back to India. You probably built a perspective of these two different cultures, geographies. What is your home now? It's, <laughs> I think my spiritual home is and always will be India. And you know, when I think of, uh, you know, that memory of growing up and, you know, my childhood home and, and some of the memories that are very dear to me, that is always based in India. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, I have a home here and I have kids here and, and, and I think that's the typical dilemma of any immigrant. Uh, you know, you have yeah. a life growing up and then you have a life that now you have now, uh, you know, created in this new country. So I do have a lot of deep roots here as well. And so I think I see both places as home. Yeah, very well said. Uh, I sympathize completely. <laughs> um, going back to kids and closing this exceptional interview. Uh, what is your message for your daughters, for my daughters, for many other daughters and sons in the world? Yeah, I think uh, what I would like for our daughters is uh, not to limit themselves and not to, uh, you know, listen to some of the messages that are coming to them through advertising, through, you know, that you should look a certain way and you should wear a certain type of clothes and you need to act a certain way to be cool and acceptable. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think not to look at those negative stereotypes and, you know, messaging that is coming to you. Uh, so to, to be strong, uh, to kind of uh, be in touch with your inner voice and think deeply about what is it that you want and then creating those paths and, you know, those different uh, ideas for how you can get there. And then, uh, you know, finding a good community of, you know, mentors and supporters that will help you to get there. And, and also asking for more. Uh, I think a lot of times I see women 
uh, you know, like Sheryl Sandberg, Sandberg famously mm-hmm. said in her book, uh, uh, Lean In, that, uh, you know, don't leave before you leave. And so women, uh, you know, just because they think they might be stepping out or changing or leaving, they don't ask for, they don't uh, deliver, you know, what they think, uh, they, don't, they don't ask for what they want. And so um, I think the message is for young girls to, you know, uh, lean in and ask for more. Thank you very much, Swaika. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Yeah. I hope uh, you have learned and enjoyed this podcast as much as I have.